what Keep Kids Alive is all about. It's all about preserving relationships. Well, welcome, everyone. This is our fifth episode of the Keep Kids Alive podcast. Glad that you could join us. We're going to do something special uh, with this podcast. We're going to take a look back at some of the families we've met so far, honor the memories of their loved ones. But before we do, I uh, just wanted to catch you up on some of the latest events for Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. Last month, uh, we participated in uh, Omaha Gives, and we had donors who uh, supported us from all over the United States, and we're very grateful for that because we had 325 very generous donors that helped us to raise over $20,000 to keep our uh, mission going and growing uh, this year and hopefully uh, long beyond. I think uh, one of the things that was special about that is that there were 1,010 nonprofit organizations participating and uh, Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 had the 24th most donors out of those 1,010 nonprofits. So we appreciate the generosity and uh, we certainly appreciate the numbers of people who contributed to that generosity. But also, uh, as you may have known from uh, listening to past podcasts, we had our annual uh, Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 Live Forward uh, 5K Run Walk to Remember. It was our ninth edition. And we had to do it virtual uh, this year, and it worked out pretty well. Uh, We had 16 teams that participated, and people ran in California and Colorado and South Dakota and Minnesota and Iowa and uh, here in our home state of Nebraska as well. And many of the teams sent in some wonderful photographs that they took of uh, their adventures together, walking or running uh, 3.1 miles. And uh, so uh, that was a very positive experience uh, for us. We didn't know if we'd be able to make it all work virtually, but it did. We got the t-shirts sent out. We got the special signs that we make to commemorate loved ones who died in traffic incidents to send to their families so they could carry those with them. And many of them plant those in uh, maybe a special garden that they have uh, created in honor of their loved one as well. So. Uh, It ended up being a very special uh, weekend for us, uh, June 5th through the 7th. But now we prepared a a little uh, looking back uh, over the last several months and share some of the highlights of our first few podcasts that we've done. And the first uh, will be Christy Nielsen and Lisa White uh, sharing their story. Lisa's uh, son, Christy's nephew, uh, Tristan, He uh, died uh, in an incident back in 2015 where he was hit by a speeding driver. And one of the things that's unique about their family experience as well is that Christy and Lisa's sister Sherry died in a car crash in uh, 1988. And so sadly that death has visited their family uh, twice because of uh, traffic incidents. And so they'll be sharing a bit of their story. Anything hunting or fishing made Tristan happy, almost to a point of fault where you wanted to wring his neck at times because there was other stuff in life. But he did like his hunting and fishing so much. He was he was smart though. That kid, he he wanted to be like an architect or an engineer. His brain thought that way. He liked to take things apart and build things and the Lego kits weren't enough. He had to make things much more extravagant on his own. He was our jokester. He was definitely the the prankster of the family. 
I would say overall, like at the time I didn't know, but just talking to friends afterwards about some of the stuff he pulled, like he was, he was known to, to dump five gallon buckets of dirt on people in the barn and just pull some crazy stunts that I didn't even realize, you know, that he was doing. He was kind of the class clown, I think, but also I think gave a real good discussion, like political discussion. He liked to argue. And so if you wanted to argue some politics, he actually had, I mean, even as freshmen in high school, he had a couple other friends in, in the freshman class that they could, they could discuss politics all day and get some good arguments going from there. And if he wasn't discussing and arguing politics, it was probably going to be Iowa Hawkeye football. He felt pretty strongly, pretty deeply about the Iowa Hawkeyes too. So he would uh, defend them and argue that until the end. Just a good, easygoing kid, really. One of the funniest things I remember about him is we were at like a volleyball game and he was in a volleyball game that he would go and give one of his sisters a water bottle and he'd fall. He didn't really fall, but he, I mean, he'd fall. And so people would be like, what? He would totally just make it up that he's falling down and he would just act like nothing happened. But the one thing that you did not tell Tristan that his little sister was stronger than him. And I happened no. to do that a couple of times. And wow, you'd see the other side of Tristan. She is not. His little sister Livy was in gymnastics and all that at the time. And I'd always tell her, you know, do 10 push-ups. <laughs> well, let me do it. You can't do it like her. And he would get so mad at me. Just very competitive, but yet, yeah, very soft-spoken on the other side, which is what I would say. It's just, he was quiet. And I mean, we'd sit there and put together Legos. I mean, I, I remember the one year I bought Kale, this huge airplane Lego and it still comes up on my Facebook because it was Tristan and I doing Playing it. Yeah, it. Kale somewhere else. And Tristan's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. But yeah, just funny as can be. I mean, that was the biggest thing with Tristan is just extremely funny and and very, very loving. I mean, he loved his animals was the other thing. Kind of sometimes, you know, the older sister would be kind of, Meh, it's just an animal. But Tristan was very loving, but didn't really want you to know it. Same no, thing. No, because he wanted to be like dad, yeah, who's yeah. a big hunter. With horses, he wanted to love them, but yet he wanted to be like, nope, I don't need them. I don't need them. You knew what he was thinking, but he didn't want to show it because yeah, he was tough like that. He wore bright green with red shorts all the time. Like I can't even say how many times he'd come downstairs and I'd be like, dude, you, you just don't match. Like green and red don't go together except at Christmas time. <laughs> it, it doesn't go together, but you look back at pictures and I mean, I guess I didn't even realize how often he wore this these bright green shirts and he'd have red shorts on. Cause that's what he, I mean, trainers red. He's also an Oklahoma fan. And that was like a dark red, like he had red shorts and it went with the bright green. So that's kind of where the bright green came from was he had a lot of green stuff, I guess. And it stuck cause everything's bright green now. Next, I'd like to introduce you to uh, Doug and Sherry Troop. Their son, Paul, uh, died in a crash in uh, Phoenix uh, in 2014. And they'll share uh, a bit of their story and uh, what has helped them to live forward these past several years. They serve a, a special role uh, with Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 as uh, Doug is our board chair. And uh, Sherry also serves on our board. a young man just full of life and he saw the best in people 
he didn't judge you, didn't any of that. He just saw the best in people and it was his heart to draw that out of people. He had so many friends. He went to Iowa State and he saw some kids back from Omaha at Iowa State with him. And and he was always, you know, go Huskers or how's your classes going? What classes are you in? Can I help you pick a professor? What's your plan for the next few years? And and he was just always that way, wanting to help people and just wanting them to do their very best. And Paul had just an infectious smile. It was hard to be grumpy around him because he was just never in a in a bad mood. He loved school. He loved life and just everything about it. Paul and I were just great friends. We only had, he was our only son. And from a very young age, he just loved sports. John Elway was his favorite football player. And so we followed the Denver Broncos. He liked San Antonio Spurs and Tim Duncan. So we were big San Antonio Spurs fans. And of course, he loved his Husker football. So he and I spent just countless hours watching sporting events. And fortunately, we were able to go to some of the sporting events. He you know, played baseball, played golf, was in cross country during high school. So you know, sports was a big part of, of our relationship. And so we, we just really enjoyed hanging out together and just, you know, kind of doing the dad and father son things. We'd gone on some father son golf outings. So he and I just would do everything together. We just had, had so much fun. But, you know, I, I, Paul was a young man of high integrity. He took his schoolwork very seriously and academically. He did very, very well. He really was able to to see that, you know, doing well in, in, in high school, in his classes, things like that, that would allow him to pursue his college career and ultimately what he wanted to do with his profession, which was to be an aerospace engineer. And he went to Iowa State and became an aerospace engineer and was working for Boeing uh, at the time he was killed in the accident. So he had accomplished those dreams and, and much like Beth's son, he certainly had a certain amount of drive there to succeed and to put forth effort and to do his very best. And again, with this, had a high, had a high standard for himself and, and he called his friends up to that higher standard as well. And so we're very proud of the young man that he had become, you know, we just had, we had such high hopes for his future again, you know, he and his wife, Sarah, we haven't talked about that yet, but Paul had been married right after he graduated from college and met his, his wife, Sarah, there at Iowa State. They were married two weeks after they graduated and been married about six months at the time of the accident. But both Paul and Sarah were aerospace engineers, and we were just so excited to see what the future held for the two of them to be together as a couple and, and each individually. But, you know, just obviously extremely proud of, of the young man that he had become. to introduce you also to Beth Norris, a past board member for Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. Uh, she'll share her story of her son, Nate. Nate died back in 2013. And Beth has uh, just been an incredible inspiration for so many people. And I hope that you really pick up on that and are edified yourself in hearing her story. kind of kid was Nate? <laughs> Nate? Nate was, um, I think Nate knew something was up because I have never seen a kid who 
lived every moment of his life. Even when he napped, he power napped. Man, that kid could just, uh, we'd be in the car and he'd like power nap for 20 minutes and boy, he would be boom, pop up and he was just full of energy again. He embraced everything in life and everyone. I would say anybody he was friends with, that person would say that they were Nate's best friend because Nate treated everybody like they were his best friend. Whether if they only saw each other once a month or if they saw each other every single day, that's just how he engaged with everyone. And not just the friends, the parents of his friends. He had contacts on his cell phone um, with his friend's parents and he there would be text messages back and forth with his friend's parents just talking about things going on in his life. I just, he he was just engaged with everyone he met. Never seen that in a child. I have a two other sons, his two older brothers. And, you know, they're, they're social people and have their groups of friends, but just nothing like Nate was. Nate was just very engaged and he was a very driven person. Sometimes it drove me crazy, but just very, very driven in the things that he did. And sometimes it sucked me into things, too. It'd be the phone call. Mom, 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 mom. What? I want to do this. How are you going to do that? Well, don't you want to do that, too? Um, So just, you know, just got kind of sucked into some crazy things because he wanted to do it and um, pulled me in to do it. But just to. You know, he just, he, he loved school. He loved sports. He loved his music. He played, he played guitar. He he was in a band with his friends. They even put on a concert once. Um, So here, his life plan was, he was out at uh, Mount Michael Benedictine School in Elkhorn outside of Omaha. It's an all boys Catholic boarding and day school. He was a boarding student out there. And his life plan was he was going to go to one of the academies. Army, Navy, he hadn't decided yet. He was only 15. Become a Navy SEAL because he had met some Navy SEALs down at a, a Husker football game event. And then be a rock star. And then go back to Mount Michael and be a history teacher. I'm not sure how he planned to figure out how to do all that, but he was going to do all three of those things in his career path in his life. So, I mean, school was a priority. His music was a priority. He uh, ran cross country and played soccer for the school. So my actual qualifying event for my first run at Pikes Peak was the Lincoln Half Marathon, which Nate and I had run in May of 2013, you know, just a couple months before he died. So I was still able to use that event to be my qualifying event to register for the Pikes Peak event. So that always kind of held a special place in my heart that my qualifying event was with Nate. But boy, he could have an attitude too. (laughs) If he was a grumpy kid, I mean, not the most PC word, but we called him Mr. Pissy Pants (laughs) when uh, he was in a grumpy mood. Boy, you sure didn't want to be around him. I think it's because he was just driven so much, you know, so that even when he was kind of not happy about something, he was driven to be not happy about it to the max I just kind of believe in my heart of hearts that he knew he wasn't long for this earth. So he lived every single moment to the extreme. I just have never seen that in another person.
And finally, I'd like to introduce you to Rob and Sherry Reynolds as they share the mission that they have been on in the wake of their daughter Katie's death back in 2007 when they set up uh, the Katie Ann Reynolds Foundation, uh, Katie's name spelled with a C. Uh, so Katie Ann Reynolds, her initials spell out uh, the word car. So the Katie Ann Reynolds Foundation and the work that they've done to uh, promote safer teen driving throughout these past uh, dozen years or so. Well, Katie was the oldest of our five children. We have four daughters and one son, and she was the quintessential oldest daughter, oldest um, child. She strove to work hard, be a good person. She was an awesome big sister to her siblings. She was really the kind of kid that I guess every parent would want. And many times I questioned if most of the time she even needed a parent. She just kind of intuitively got life and was a good soul. She did just gracious things to nurture other human beings it wasn't about what kind of clothes you wore or your car you drove. As a matter of fact, sometimes it was opposite of that. It was about who you were. It really was. And she would pick up somebody who maybe was sitting on a bench alone and sad at school. And she would take a moment and sit down and just be the kid that maybe that kid needed to hear from and say, you know what? You're gorgeous. You have a great you know, personality. Let's, let's do something tomorrow at lunch. You join our table. You didn't have to be popular. Katie saw you as a human being. You know, that's who, definitely who she was. I don't question, I guess, maybe why she was chosen. And of course, our message in going forward, we started the Katie Ann Reynolds. We call it CAR. Alliance for Safer Teen Driving and started to um, go out and speak to people about Katie's story and the statistics and the fact that driving your vehicle and using your cell phone in any manner is not safe. Katie was probably pretty darn close to the person that God needed her to be to go up to heaven. I can say as a 55-year-old woman, I don't feel like I'm necessarily ready for that. But as that 16-year-old kid, I, I think she was pretty darn close, if not right there. We were just proud of her beyond measure. Well, as a parent, I mean, you're proud of all of your kids uh, uh, for different reasons. And Katie always was an old soul. She always had the gift of relating to people. And um, she really did value other human beings really above anything else. And especially after uh, her passing, we received so many cards, letters, people telling us, stopping us about individual kindness that Katie had either um, provided to one of their kids who maybe wasn't seen as being popular or, or needed help. And this, you know, this young girl with this charismatic personality that everyone seemed to think was the popular girl, you know, would take them under her wing. And it was such a, a it was such a, uh, an easy thing to be proud of uh, when you heard stories like that, but it really did kind of sum her up. And there were so many times I would just shake my head and say, yeah, that was Katie. She had this enormous capacity to get people and she had this enormous capacity for love. And it was it was really the gift that she was given. 
Well, there was one young girl who actually was a year older than Katie in high school. And she kind of bullied Katie when Katie was a freshman and this young lady was a sophomore. Kind of did seek Katie out in the hallways to kind of give her some grief. And Katie stood up to her and said, you know, look, we don't we don't have to have these kinds of exchanges. And it continued on for a while. And then I think maybe the young lady just got a little tired of it because Katie wasn't giving it back to her. After Katie died, we received a letter from that young woman, and it absolutely transformed her life. She said, you know, I look back now and I think about the way I treated her, and I'm so ashamed of myself. I thought of it as fun. I thought of it as a game. And now I look at it as um, something just really not the right thing to do. I see that a lot in a lot of people that knew Katie. Since Katie's death, the effect has just been a positive one in their life. I don't know of anybody who has taken Katie's death and done anything negative with it. It's all been, I can be a better person because of who Katie was. And I guess that's the legacy that we all kind of hope to leave. But even for a 16-year-old girl to leave that kind of legacy is very powerful. And one of the really kind of neat stories that we heard, uh, we got this letter from somebody we didn't know about her daughter, who we also didn't know, who was also a freshman at Marion. And again, Katie's outgoing personality was such that, that she was considered very popular. Anyway, we were reading this, this letter and it brought us both to tears. Uh, she was talking about how her daughter was very introverted, kind of mousy, and she didn't really have any groups that she was fitting into. And she was questioning whether or not she should stay at Marion. She was sitting by herself at a lunch table and uh, she said that the most popular girl in school came over and asked her to come sit with them. And it was Katie. And even now it chokes me up. She couldn't stand to see people in pain. She wanted to make sure that other people felt included as well. Anyway, it was just one of those things that, again, brought up such feelings of pride about who she was. And like Sherry said, kind of confirmed that she was really kind of a whole person at the time that she passed. And that gave us a lot of comfort. Well, I want to thank you for listening to our Keep Kids Alive podcast once again this month. Next month, we'll have a special treat, uh, kind of a new direction for us with Mike Speck. Mike is a former uh, professional race car driver, and he's the lead trainer for Ford Driving Skills for Life. Uh, as a driving instructor, uh, he does a lot of work directly with teens all across not only the nation, but the world, and also does a lot of work directly with parents as well. So really look forward to hearing from Mike, to have him share his story of uh, his experience, but also what he's learned from that experience that uh, relates to driving on everyday roads. Thank you for listening. Please visit kkad25.org to find out how you can support Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 and get involved by following on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, it's about kids, it's about safety, It's about caring. It's about time.